kills us every day It's the art that heals us It heals us every way you guys for listening to the art that heals us podcast where we talk about creatives that are thriving through using their gifts today we have a special guest for talk to me thursdays who is one of my girlfriends from a long time ago named april dixon who is a licensed clinical um counselor slash therapist and so we are going to chat with her about things that people can do in the new year um and transitioning their mindset so first thank you so much for being here april it is a pleasure i'd like for you to introduce yourself tell us a little about yourself girl so thank you so much for having me so hey everybody my name is april dixon and as Nikita mentioned, I am a licensed therapist in the states of Missouri and Kansas. I've been working in the field of mental health for about 20 years. Um, I've worked with people of all ages. At the beginning of my career, I worked primarily um, with youth, adolescents, and their families. I would say for the second half of my career, my focus has shifted to primarily adults, although I still do see um, some adolescents or some kids in my practice. Um, I am passionate about working with the Black community, um, reducing the stigma surrounding mental health in the Black community. A good percentage of my practice, I'm working with people who have lost loved ones to violent crime. Um, so grief is something that I specialize in, helping people acknowledge their grief and providing them the support so they can work through it. I also have a lot of experience and specialize in treating trauma. Um, and understand that what is traumatic for me and what is traumatic for you might be two different things, but mm -hmm. our brains and our bodies are impacted pretty similarly. So whether it's childhood trauma, trauma of an injury as an adulthood, trauma of a relationship, I'm helping people work through and resolve the way the trauma has affected their lives and their functioning. So grief and trauma are my specialties. Um, and I'm also in the field of education. When I went into the field of psychology, I knew instantly I wanted to be a teacher. I have an educator aspect about me. So I have been teaching at the collegiate level for about seven or eight years now. I teach um, general psychology and psychology of human development at the undergraduate level. And then I also teach a course at the graduate level. So education, mm -hmm. mental health, that is my wheelhouse. I love helping people through their mental health issues. I also like educating the community about mental health because the more we know about it, hopefully the less stigma that is surrounding it. And then people will feel free to acknowledge mm -hmm. that they're struggling with things and then get the help and the support that they need. Absolutely. That's an awesome introduction, girl. I couldn't have said that any better. You hit it on the head. <laughs> okay. <you> so, yes. <laughs> so, first of all, um, I did not forget, but I needed to be reminded that your girl is a professor. And so, um, I want to touch a little bit about her education background. Well, I want her to touch on that because, as she mentioned, in our Black community, we sometimes struggle with the thought of resolving our traumas, or sometimes we really don't have the tools to do so. Mm -hmm. so can you talk to us about how your educational background with you being a professor and of course having your own education has helped you be able to teach people of color how to work through their grief and trauma. Absolutely. So, you know, first of all, knowing is a very important step in the process. So in the classroom, um, depending on where I'm teaching and the course that I'm teaching, 
I might not be teaching people who are going to be counselors or therapists. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of my students are nursing students or sometimes mm -hmm. they're going into the educational field. Some of them are just taking a psychology course as like a general education requirement. But being mm -hmm. in the classroom and introducing uh, the concepts of psychology and mental health really in the human development class is where that light bulb really comes on for a lot of people. And they become mm -hmm. aware of how at different times in our lives, um, different things happen to us. And it affects the way we develop. The way your parents responded to you as a child has a lot to do with your outlook and your perception on the world. Um, how you Definitely. kind of progress through adolescence, you know, with puberty and all the different things that were happening. How you move through that process, it affects who you are right now. Your personality, mm -hmm. your emotional regulation. Um, so I have, I'm very passionate. My students, um, mm -hmm. you know, not to brag, you know, but my students love me because I make it real and I try to normalize. Yeah you know, like the struggles that people have. And so mm -hmm. they're always so appreciative. And they're always, I mean, dang near every student is able to say, you know what, now that we're discussing this, I see how maybe this might have impacted me and I might, mm -hmm. you know, need to talk to somebody. And that's the thing too, is yeah. that sometimes we think we have to be out of our minds. We think we have to be suicidal. We think we have to be, you know, hearing things or, or seeing things in order to get a little bit of support from a therapist. But mm -hmm. when we realize that your parents divorce, when we mm -hmm. realize that moving from one part of the country to another, when we realize that um, maybe getting bullied by our peers during puberty, when we were kind of awkward and funny looking, when mm -hmm. we realize that, how that impacts us, I think people are a bit more open to like, yeah, that might be something I, I need to work through. I've Absolutely. also um, in other jobs done some community education, again, because the only way people are going um, to be open to having these conversations and acknowledge that they might need some support is if we talk to them about it in a non-threatening, non-accusatory way. So I've done trainings mm -hmm. in churches. I've done trainings mm -hmm. um, with law enforcement. I've done trainings with firefighters, EMTs. I've done trainings in schools where we teach people how to identify signs and symptoms that somebody might be, you know, having a little bit of mental distress. So education is a big part of it because mm -hmm. if we don't know what we're looking for and if we don't know how it impacts people, how do I know? when I need help or when maybe I should talk to a family member about getting them some help or support. So education mm -hmm. is a big part of it. You know, when I went to college, I was a pre-med major. I thought I wanted to be a doctor. Doctors make a lot really? of money. Really? Yeah. Yes. I, I thought I wanted okay. to be a doctor. They make a mm -hmm. lot of money. It's a very prestigious and esteemed position. Mm -hmm. um, and I hated it. And a good friend of mm -hmm. mine, she said, April, try a psychology class. And mm -hmm. I took that class and I fell in love and I knew that this is what I was supposed to be doing. And mm -hmm. so teaching people, providing support to people like this is, I believe it's what I was created for. Absolutely. And it definitely sounds like it because you just, your passion is like jumping out of the microphone right now. <laughs> I'm even though so we're gonna, passionate we're gonna, about it. Yeah, the microphone is the phone, but you know, yeah. seriously, <laughs> I love, one thing that I love to watch people do Obviously, I started this podcast because I, you know, have a lot of creative friends, but even in your lane of therapy, you are creative in the way that you approach um, education and the way that you approach your students. I've seen things from afar on Facebook that, you know, where you're like, they love me, they this, that, and the other because you have your niche and you know what works, you know what I'm saying? And they can Absolutely. relate to you. 
And so I love hearing people um, being passionate about the things that they are doing because it just, it almost like makes you gravitate to them more. And I'm sure that that helps people when they may be a little hesitant or apprehensive into going into therapy or yeah. even entertaining the idea. And where you just like literally talking to them, and I'm not saying that you talk to them like a girlfriend, but I can imagine you like, hey girl, look, I went through this too, or I understand. <laughs> like that's when people um can relate to you and they're more willing to, you know, go with something that they may feel a little bit more uncomfortable about, right? Absolutely. And I think it's important that um at, at least for me, whether I'm working as a therapist with somebody or in the classroom as an instructor, I'm all about building relationship with people and mm -hmm. letting them know that I sincerely care about them. Like I may have just met you today, but I mm -hmm. care about you. I want you to be mm -hmm. well physically and emotionally and however I can support you in that process. That's what I'm here for. And I feel like my students, as well as my clients, I feel like they feel that authenticity, um, that compassion and that empathy from me. And so, like you said, it's not like talking to a girlfriend, but it is, you know, like that's, yeah. I'm very relaxed in my session. Like I want it to feel like you're talking to a friend, but mm -hmm. just a friend, you know, with some education and some training and some certifications, you know, mm -hmm. to help you deal with the things that you're going through. So for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I know that with my own experience with my several years of therapy that I've received, um, the two that I found most helpful of my therapists were black women that could definitely relate to me. And yes, they have sessions. We've had sessions where they talk to me like, look, girl. <laughs> this is what hey I mean because what better what better way to relate to someone um, even if it isn't something necessarily that you've gone through but something that you can relate to them you know just um, from the perspective of being a black woman um, you know and then giving that like you said but I got a whole bunch of professional training here I have a whole lot of education on the background so we can work through this together and I think that that is a great approach absolutely so, mm -hmm. go ahead no, I was just going to say, and I have so many clients um, seek me out because they want a black woman. So I would say a good percentage of my practice is black women. Now we mm -hmm. understand black people in general are not a monolith. We are all different, mm -hmm. but there is something about the experience of being black in America, mm -hmm. that, that shared experience that we have, some of the nuances of our culture and the way we mm -hmm. talk, even the verbiage that we mm -hmm. use, you know, mm -hmm. that can make those conversations flow so much more smoothly. And so Absolutely. I have found that that to be very beneficial, particularly with my African-American clients. Yeah, you made a good point because I can remember being in session with people that were non-people of color um, mm -hmm. and, or even female for that matter. And the vernacular that I use, the colloquialism, yes. the everything that I'm using, even the Ebonics, you know, yeah. I'm a very educated person, but sometimes I'll be like, girl, you know, I'm girl. Like, but, and, and they just get it. And it, it really helps with the relaxation of it because it makes you feel less fearful and it helps you, um, you know, just understand this is something that is helping you. So I don't want to get too far off task because I okay. know we kind of chatted beforehand because I definitely want you to talk about how people can, well, let me back up. Because you specialize with grief and trauma, mm -hmm. what is something that someone that has trauma that may be struggling with the idea of talking with someone such as yourself, a professional, what's something that you could say to them right now that would encourage them to seek out um, getting professional help? Yeah. You know, I think, again, particularly in the Black community, but I think overall, um, we have viewed getting help as a sign of weakness. And mm -hmm. I really try to reframe that for people and say, like, realizing that I can't do something on my own 
and getting some assistance or support is actually a sign of strength. Like yeah. it takes courage. It takes yeah. courage to say, I need help in this area or in that area. And so I understand that it can feel very intimidating, um, but it doesn't make you weak. It doesn't mean that there is anything wrong with you. Listen, my little catchphrase is everybody could use some couch time. So we have to get out of this idea that only the only people that go to therapy are crazy or they're weak Mm -hmm. or they don't Mm -hmm. have enough faith. Like, let's take those thoughts and those things out of the equation. Everybody, even the most high functioning, successful people that, you know, Mm -hmm. could use a little couch time. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we say couch because, you know, in the old days, we would think of somebody laying down. We don't do it that way anymore. But get you some couch time. Find you somebody who you feel like you are able to connect with and allow them to help you do the work. There's no shame in it. This is what we're here for. We're here to help you. So let us help. It it takes courage. It's not a sign of weakness. It's actually a sign of extraordinary strength to get some help. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. Mm -hmm. So because this is, um, you know, again, the episode that's airing at the beginning of the year, um, talk to me a little bit about someone that may be struggling with moving forward in their life after they have lost someone that they've loved. If they're struggling with the idea of grief, what would be something that you could recommend or help, you know, help them through? Yeah. So, you know, as a mental health professional, I am always going to say, find a therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, because grief, here's the thing, we understand that death is a part of life you know by the time you get to a certain age in this life you realize that death is a part of life but mm-hmm. certainly this hit us harder than others mm-hmm. and if you right. are having difficulty um I don't like to say moving on but if, if you're having yes. difficulty um envisioning a future for yourself without that person if it's hard for you to see a light at the end of the tunnel if you're feeling stuck in a place of like hopelessness and depression Mm -hmm. because of the loss get you a therapist Mm -hmm. you do not have to deal with that grief by yourself so that's step number one if it is significant enough get a therapist um but some other things that might be helpful if you have um any type of spiritual belief system Um, Mm -hmm. relying on that for a person with spiritual beliefs could be beneficial. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that that, this is tough because the faith and spiritual community, sometimes we feel like faith and spirituality should be enough. Um, but if a person has just mild grief, you know, um, seeking out some type of spiritual support, prayer, Mm -hmm. meditation, whatever it is that looks like based on their religious or spiritual ideology, that could be beneficial. Um, but I think sometimes it's hard for people to, establish new traditions um we think about you know holidays particularly are difficult for people when they've lost loved ones christmas doesn't feel the same thanksgiving doesn't feel the same um and then you know there's there's this thought that there's nothing to celebrate Mm -hmm. or if they Mm want to try to celebrate they feel guilty about celebrating how Mm -hmm. can i be happy during this time period when i've lost my loved one it almost feels like we're dishonoring them if we feel any happiness during this time um so one thing that i think can be helpful is establishing new traditions the some of the families that i work with how can we celebrate christmas or if they celebrate or whatever holiday or family gathering that it is 
and still commemorate and honor the person that we love, the person that we lost. What does that look like? Um, because sometimes I, I see families trying to pick up the pieces and move on mm-hmm. and there won't mm-hmm. even be any acknowledgement mm-hmm. of the mm-hmm. person who has passed. It's like um, avoidance. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that's yeah. what they're doing. They're avoiding it. Um, yeah. And so I, I try to tell people, find ways to work commemorating that person into your new holiday traditions maybe there's a picture and a candle you light over on the table maybe we set aside some time um, to kind of talk about our memories of that loved one that is no longer with us maybe we do um, a family visit to a gravesite if that's something that's available for us to do but how can we commemorate that person in the midst of this time right because mm-hmm. it's not the same with them not being there um but how do we establish what our new normal is going to be in their absence, right? Is that releasing balloons? Is that lighting a candle? Is that a trip to the gravesite? Is that, you know, playing a home video of that person and us just sitting with the feelings of sadness that we have about that person not being here, you know, helping them establish new traditions that acknowledge the loss, but also allow them to attempt to create a new normal for themselves during the holiday season. Great point. Great point. That's a good segue to what I was going to say about honoring your feelings, honoring your emotions, sitting with your feelings. I know for me personally, I did not even understand what that meant Mm -hmm. to to really feel your feelings, because a lot of people, especially if they are educated, they intellectualize their feelings. They say things like, well, I should feel this way because this X, Y, Z happened, but not Mm -hmm. really saying, how does that feel in my body? How does that feel when I try to get up and walk to the refrigerator when I was thinking about my, you know, loved one that passed on. So can you share a little bit more about how people can really honor their emotions and not feel guilty for doing so? Absolutely. So one thing I really try to um, educate my clients on is like emotional sensitivity and awareness. So what Mm -hmm. we do as human beings, we like the feelings that feel good, And the feelings that don't feel good, we try to avoid. So we like being Mm -hmm. happy. We like being excited. We like being surprised, but we don't like being sad. We don't Mm -hmm. like anger. We don't like loneliness. We don't like boredom. And so I really try to tell people there's no such things as good feelings or bad feelings. They're all feelings. And feelings Mm -hmm. are basically just reactions to things that are happening either in your environment or in you internally. And whether Mm -hmm. it's one that you prefer or one that you don't prefer, it is an authentic response to something that is going on. Be okay with that. Yes. Be okay with that. Sit with it. I love how you talk about experiencing it in your body. That's a big part mm-hmm. of the work I do, trauma especially. Mm-hmm. We talk about where do you feel it in your body. Sit with it and experience it. Don't try to push it away. Mm-hmm. Don't beat mm-hmm. yourself up for having it. You know, I teach people about think of your consciousness. Think of your mind like a movie screen. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And depression, anxiety, sadness, whatever it is, the feeling, whether it's one you like or one you don't like, think of it as like a train that is moving across your movie screen, Mm -hmm. okay? And so just sit there and acknowledge, okay, this is how I'm feeling right now. Mm. And it's okay that I feel that way. You know, what we do is we don't like the feelings, so Mm -hmm. we try to push the train off the screen. Oh, that's a very good, uh, yeah, I like that. I like that. Yeah, we try to push it off the screen. Or what we do is we press pause 
and we want to overanalyze it. Why am I feeling this way? What's going Ooh. on? Or, or we wrestle with it. I shouldn't feel this way. Why do I mm-hmm. feel this way? And all of those things keep those feelings in our conscious awareness much longer than they would be if we would just acknowledge like, yeah, this is how I'm feeling right now. Mm-hmm. This is it. I mean, this yeah, is how I feel. Good. Yeah. Hmm. I think about that movie that um, it was probably five or six years ago. I, can't, I always forget the name, but it's like the characters um, inside of the person's head that are... Yes, uh, Inside Out. Inside Out. I mm-hmm. love that movie because yep. it literally gives you a depiction of, hey, this is what sadness looks like. This is what angry looks like. This is what, yeah. you know, love looks like or whatever. But it really is a good depiction. Although it's a children's movie, mm-hmm. um, it helps me, I know, to kind of sort through like, oh, yeah, this is true. And so, but with that being said, I can see how people like to intellectualize it, especially if they are people that are successful or feel mm-hmm. like they may have a perfectionism complex like myself. Yes. And so you're like, uh, I, I feel this way because that happened, but I shouldn't feel this way and I don't want to feel this way. So how can mm-hmm. I make myself not feel this way instead right. of really sitting with it? And yeah. I learned myself, even within the last year, that when I allowed myself a time frame to say, all right, you got to feel this, let it out, you know, just sit with it and do all of that. It literally it sounds kind of crazy, but it literally passed quicker. It like passes. Said. It passed quicker than it me does. being like, I ain't trying to deal with that because I got to go do this. Yep. And because it's going to keep coming up. And it's it like is. our body is like really like, hello, uh, yeah. you need to deal with this. <laughs> you need to pay attention to this. Right. So yeah. you were pushing pause or trying to rewind to fast forward or something and you just need to let it play. You just need to let it play. Wow. When you let it play, mm-hmm. it tends to pass much quicker but we want to wrestle with it we want to deny it you just got to feel it it's uncomfortable but you have yeah, to feel it, it. you yeah, have to feel right. it's a part of the process absolutely okay so we kind of touched on something earlier that I kind of want to go back to you said that you have facilitated um I believe discussions and or maybe some group classes or something to that point with um in churches and so I know with my own spiritual background you know being Christian for many Mm -hmm. years and all of those things that sometimes um people feel as though their spirituality and or their religion is the only thing that they should Mm. rely on when it comes to trauma happening uh, in whatever way that it occurs or life situations just kind of coming up so Mm. can you talk a little bit about what that looks like when you have uh, a spiritual um community and a therapist like what is a good transition for someone that's kind of on the fence about that you know, it's tough because now, you know, growing up in the religion myself, mm-hmm. and then the black church, you know, yes, the it, black church, that's like, a whole different. Know, yeah, listen, <laughs> it's like Jesus is all you need, right? Mm-hmm. And so, while mm-hmm. depending on whether it's Jesus or Allah, Buddha, whoever it is, right, mm-hmm. while that deity is a support and a source for you um if jesus allah or buddha is all you need then don't take tylenol right don't take your Mm. high blood pressure medication Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. don't take your insulin Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. if if that is sufficient i'm a firm Mm -hmm. believer that faith and spirituality is for those who believe it It's a wonderful, supportive, and I might even say miraculous thing. But I also Mm -hmm. believe that the deity created or allowed physicians and therapists. And I I think that therapists, doctors, we are God's hands 
in the earth. Yes, absolutely. In we the are flesh, God's hands you in the are earth. So right. Yeah, and mm-hmm. so, you know, I also tell people, particularly surrounding mental health, and this is what I've noticed particularly with the spiritual community, um, is that, you know, so when you go to the doctor, if they draw your blood sugar, if your glucose levels are so high, they say you have diabetes. Or if they see mm-hmm. a mass and they do a biopsy and they're able to determine the cells, because we can't diagnose mental illness that concretely, the church, mm-hmm. the spiritual community has said it's just a made up thing. Absolutely, and dismisses it. You are, so and they're right. so dismissive mm-hmm. of it. But mm-hmm. mental illness mm-hmm. is no different than physical illness. Absolutely, it's no different because typically, with all mental illnesses, we can trace back some malfunctioning, whether it's neurotransmitters being released in mm-hmm. excess or not enough. We can look at activity in certain areas of the brain that might cause a, mm-hmm. that that are linked to maybe a person having hallucinations or things of that nature. So I, I always tell people, quit separating mental illness and physical illness. It, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The mental You're health field right. is, um, yeah, we're under the medical field. The mental health field, mm-hmm. we are under the medical umbrella. So don't Absolutely. separate it. If you're going to go to the doctor for that gout, if you're going to go to the doctor for that hernia, psychiatrist, or go to the therapist for that depression or anxiety or whatever it is that you're dealing with. That's a good point. And Mm -hmm. and it even is just as simple as saying when you go to the doctor or more or less the hospital, say, for instance, you were hospitalized for a surgery that may have gone bad or something Mm -hmm. like that. Now you need long-term care. You're going to have a multidisciplinary team that's going to take care of you, including... Yeah, including a social worker and or a counselor or therapist. So that's because they understand that all of those things work together. Yes. I will never forget going to one of my own primary care physicians at some point. And we talked about my depression and anxiety at the time. And she said, listen, one thing that I've learned is that I am a Christian. However, I also understand God gave us common sense and i know that he he put us on earth to be he didn't she didn't necessarily say his hands like you mentioned but Mm -hmm. that's a really good uh representation of that but she basically was like he put us on earth to help people and so like why would i say that oh no you're fine you just need to take your insulin you don't need to also go see a therapist about how this diabetes is affecting you and your life and your job and your children and all of those things and so i think that in the church community specifically, people need to really understand that all of these things work together, just like they say that all things work together for the good of those that love the Lord. Seriously, mm-hmm. because it, it really is that simple. For me, I am someone that understands that because I have to walk through it myself. But for some people that could be condescending or dismissive, it's because they may not have had such traumas as I have or certain situations. So I think it's really, really helpful when you have people like yourself that are able to speak about that out loud and to talk about it and not in a way as though like, y'all better do this because X, Y, Z, but say, hey, this is helpful. You know, I'm looking um, at having more conferences. I mean, I don't know what you're involved in at this point or if there's anything that you could lead people to if they are kind of struggling with that. Mm Mm-hmm. Is there anything that you may be working on with maybe... So are um, you mean as far as like with the spirituality and the mental health? Correct. Yeah, that's not anything I'm actively involved with at this time, but that was something, you know, and this is just, you know, confirmation. So he gave me a vision years ago, and this is why we got to be obedient um, to kind of put kind of training plan together to take to churches. Um because we again oftentimes we just see well you know just pray about it you know yes just pray about it but 
first of all, one thing I always say is that faith and wisdom are not mutually exclusive. In the church, we we we, we want to be all faith. And sometimes that's the mm-hmm. complete exclusion of wisdom. And we need both. I need to have faith right. that whoever I believe in can heal me. But I also need to have wisdom to know that I might need some natural support or, or you know, assistance as well. But I think mm-hmm. the other thing, too, in most, at least in the Christian church, we talk about the human being in the same way that we say God is a triune being. We say that human beings are, are, are as well. You always hear that man is a spirit, a soul, and a body, right? Absolutely. So Absolutely. the spirit is the is the spiritual part of yourself, right? And the uh-huh. body is the physical or natural part of yourself. The soul, mm-hmm. that is your mental health. Most uh, mm-hmm. theologians or pastors, when they talk about the soul, they talk about the mind, the will, and the emotions. Mm-hmm. That's the area that the church oftentimes is neglecting. Mm-hmm. We all spirit. Mm-hmm. And occasionally we talk about the body. But let's talk about mm-hmm. the soul. That's where your mental health is housed. Absolutely. That's where your mental health is housed. And so I, churches need to be, I would hope that we would be more intentional about not just feeding the spirit man, but getting people the resources that they need for the physical man, as well as for the, the emotional man, the soul man. Absolutely love it. And I'm so glad that this conversation has sparked you to remember the things that <laughs> yeah. you have already known that you should be doing. I mean, I'm not going to say should because I'm not no, that person, it is. but things that were put in your spirit to do. <laughs> yeah, you know. And it's so um, I just really think that especially with this generation, we are so of the mindset that just because someone above us or meaning wiser, older, said it is so doesn't mean that that's necessarily the case. Mm-hmm. You know, so we we are investigating. That's what I love about our generation that we really are uncovering some things. We are investigating like, but why though? But right. why are you saying that, that we should only pray about it? Because that don't work for me. And right. I am of uh, myself, I will stand up and say Mm-mm, that don't work no more. So right. I, you know, we can get caught in a cycle of, of shame if we feel like we are doing something outside of what we were taught yeah so that's that's a whole nother conversation but that's man so anyways all right now what can um let's see what keeps you motivated i mean obviously you are teaching um and preaching okay Uh, (laughs) some things to people ah, to people that need to hear it and i'm sure are, are heavily impacted by your you know words but what keeps you motivated to do the work that you started out doing 20 years ago you know, like I, I will say I am fortunate because, like I said earlier, like when once I found, and I won't even say I found once I was directed into the mm-hmm. lane that I'm in now, I'm not gonna mm-hmm. say it's been easy, but I have not had any desire really to do anything else. Um, oh. I mean, like this really is my life's work. I know that mm-hmm. this is mm-hmm. my life's work to. Mm-hmm help people work through the things that have hold that have been holding them back and to help them become a better or the best version of themselves. The work that I do with clients is motivating. I have clients I've been working with a year and a half, two years to see them grow, to have them log into session and be like, girl, let me tell you how I set these boundaries with my family. Mm. Or let me tell you how, you know, this important date passed. And although I felt the sadness, you know, I wasn't, you know, thinking about killing myself or I wasn't, you know, so down in the dumps that I couldn't get up in the morning, seeing the progress, seeing the growth, seeing um, the recovery that my clients um, experience, not just because of me, you know, but like that is so 
it's so motivating. Yeah. And so I would say I'm passionate about it, but seeing how my work benefits people and changes lives, I can't see myself. I mean, now you, I can't see myself doing anything else. I can't. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's when you know that you are passionate about something yeah. for sure, because you would do it for free. That's what it sounds like to me. Listen, you so you know, like the, the goal is to be a millionaire at some point in my life. But I was thinking, mm-hmm. even when I make it to the place where I don't have to work um, as hard mm-hmm. as I do, um, I would still somehow be involved. I would still, so- yeah. I'm going to be, you know, whether it's traveling around and just doing trainings, uh, a chair of somebody's, you know, uh, psych department. Like, I don't ever see myself pulling away completely from this field. That's amazing. I love yeah. it. Love it, sis. Love it. Love it. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, where can people find you if they are interested in your services? Okay. So um, I am currently rebranding uh, my practice. Okay. So the website is not up yet. They can always okay. hit me up on Facebook. My Facebook name is April Lucas Dixon. Um, they can email me at april.dixon and that's D-I-X-O-N at hushmail.com. Um, but mm-hmm. I am rebranding. So the website, the IG page, all of that is down, but hopefully will be up maybe even by the time this podcast um, is broadcast. So maybe we can Wonderful. attach the links to that but they can always hit me i get inboxes weekly hey heard you were a therapist yeah i get inboxes weekly so they can always hit me up on facebook or send me an email and if i can't help them i will try to connect them with someone who can love it thank you so much sis this was like so inspiring i can't even give it words you said more than a thousand mouthfuls <laughs> of all of the things that i wanted to cover which some of the things i didn't even think about until we started getting into the conversation so that's what i love most about talking with people yeah. um, especially when it comes to mental health professionals so thank you so much for spending your lunch hour with me today and um are there any last words that you'd like to share with our listeners I, if anything i would just iterate what i said earlier you know If you're struggling in any way, and again, struggle doesn't have to mean you can't get out of bed or, you know, you're having thoughts to harm yourself. But if you just if you're aware or if people are pointing out to you um, that the way you're functioning emotionally and it might be something like, girl, you kind of seem on edge here lately. Right. Mm -hmm, Sometimes other mm -hmm. people can sense things in us that we can't see. Or if you just even after listening to this podcast are like, you know, now that I think about it, I, I see this pattern in my relationship, this mm-hmm. pattern um, of self-sabotaging or whatever it is that you see and you want to talk to somebody about it, please do so. There are so many licensed professionals who have a heart to help people. We're just waiting for y'all to mm-hmm. call us. So please, it's not a sign of weakness. It actually takes extraordinary courage to reach out and get some support. Please do so. That is my, that's my clarion call. Get some help. Absolutely. I love that. Thank you so much. That was a great wrap up. Well, you guys, thank you so much for spending this time with us on the Art That Heals Us podcast. Please subscribe on FM, um, I'm sorry, Anchor FM, Apple Podcasts and or Spotify and listen for more creatives and a therapist on Talk To Me Thursday, which airs on every third Thursday of the month. All right. Until next time, this is your girl Nikita Vane. I'll see you later. Goodbye.